This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone. It is Bryce and Ren here, co-founders of Equity Mates Media, and we're here to announce our IPO. That's right. Equity Mates' initial party offering is here FinFest is coming. We're calling all bulls, bears, and party animals. The market's closed, the bar is open, and we're trading ideas at Australia's biggest investing festival. With expert speakers, special guests, DJs, and booze, it's an inspiring and empowering event for investors of any level of experience. So save the date, 15th of October, 2022. Head to equitymates.com slash FinFest to register your interest today. Equitymates FinFest is powered by Stake. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. I've got to say, uh, we had a full five-minute run-up, uh, and then we realized we weren't recording, so getting a bit of deja vu, but... To kick us off today, I have to start with how about this stock market? How about it? You count it out, you turn your portfolio off, you walk away from your phone and your computer, you delete your apps because you don't want to see what's going on, and then all of a sudden it turns itself on a dime, gets up off the mat and starts throwing haymakers. I'm mixing metaphors, but what else can you say? How about these last few weeks? (laughs) Yeah, well, in particular parts of the market, it has been amazing. How do you turn your portfolio off? Uh, (laughs) I was just dribbling there. (laughs) No, look, um, it is an exciting time, as we've been saying over the last few months, and we're going to unpack it a little bit later in this episode. Uh, Plenty to cover today. We're going to do uh, a bit of a segment on moats and have a look at some frameworks to consider there. Uh, Then we're going to chat about meme stocks and what's going on in the tech part of the market. Um, The ASX share market game, we're going to reveal who's currently winning between the two of us and what our strategies have been. And then uh, really excited because Specky McGee returns to close out the episode. First time in 2022. Yeah. Now, Bryce, before then, a few Quick bits of housekeeping, and I'm going to keep you honest here because you like to drag on with housekeeping. With so, first of all, the dive, uh, the latest and greatest show from Equity Mates, uh, our eighth podcast, and our first tackling broader business news. Three times a week, we're going to be looking at one story, putting it in the broader context, revealing why it matters. Head over, 
search it, subscribe to it, listen to the trailer, rate it, review it, tell your friends about it. And take in the artwork. Yeah, take, take in the, in the artwork. artwork. See, yeah. see what you think. All right, Bryce, second piece of housekeeping, FinFest, the train keeps rolling. It absolutely keeps rolling, Ren. We are excited to announce that the FinFest Finance Festival will be held at the Cutaway in Barangaroo, a massive below-ground, super-sized concrete space um, just outside of uh, Sydney's CBD. If you haven't been there, it's amazing, and we're really excited to be able to hold FinFest in such a, an iconic venue. So tickets will be on sale very soon. Make sure you head over to equitymates.com slash finfest to register so you don't miss those early bird tickets and stay tuned as we start announcing guests and some of key entertainment. And then, Ren, uh, another exciting development here at Equity Mates, um, a job. Well, the podcast train keeps rolling. We've got our eighth podcast. The FinFest train keeps rolling with our location reveal. And, Bryce, the Equity Mates hiring spree keeps on going. <laughs> yes. Uh, we are looking for someone to join our content team. Uh, we've been looking for a little while and we haven't found the right person. It's like, you know, the honey badger and the bachelor. Sometimes, <laughs> if it's not right, you don't choose anyone. That's it. Uh, but, look, if... If you feel like you love finance, if you feel like you want to join the Equity Mates team, if you've got a knack for writing, uh, experience isn't as important as enthusiasm. Yeah. We can build knowledge. We can't teach. Well, we can teach skills as well. We're casting a pretty wide net here, but we are being discerning. Bryce has final veto power on anyone <laughs> I bring to him. Not true. Uh, but if you want to throw your hat in the ring and feel Bryce's wrath, uh, <laughs> uh, email us careers with an S at equitymates.com. And let's start a conversation. But yeah, Bryce, let's do it. That's enough housekeeping. The house is well and truly kept. Let's get into the episode. Now, we're going to start the episode with a conversation around moats. We speak about moats a lot. I think last week we spoke uh, about Morningstar's best global ideas and they have a key rating or metric as a, a moat, whether the company has one, if it's narrow, if it's wide. And Ren, you uh, want to bring forward a new framework when thinking about moats. Yeah, that's it. I, I've been thinking about it a lot because the market's been down and there's been buying opportunities galore and you know we are all about buying long-term great businesses Yeah, and a lot of that comes down down to moats. And for people who are unfamiliar with that term, it's really just shorthand for a long-term sustainable, sustainable is important there, competitive advantage. The reason why your business won't get disrupted, it can continue to grow, it can reinvest, it can raise prices if it needs to. It can be a really good long-term compounder. And, you know, so many investors speak about the importance of moat. Buffett is, you know, the OG for this. It's been one of the concepts that really characterized his career. But in our book, we we included a bunch of other quotes. One that really stood out for me, Christopher Begg, a name that I wasn't really familiar with, but his quote stood out. At their fund, they devote 90% of their intellectual horsepower to understanding whether the competitive moat around a business is narrowing or widening. And Thomas Russo, another investor, said the best long-term margin of safety comes not from an investment's price, but from the value of a company's competitive advantage. Forget valuation. Mm. Well, uh, don't forget it because it's obviously very important. But this analysis is so critical. Understanding where these companies sit in their competitive landscape, but more importantly, how long they can hold off and continue to beat their competitors and remain at that number Mm. one position. 
And so we often talk about moats and we give a few examples, but that's sort of where the conversation ends. And I came across a couple of frameworks, uh, one in particular that uh, I think is relevant and I think can be useful for the equity mates community. It had a few new concepts that we hadn't spoken about before. But look, if you're doing an MBA, Bryce was doing an MBA before we ripped him away from Woolies to make him Sigh. work at uh, Equity Mates full time. Would love to go back and finish it, to be honest. Well, but, um... when we have some financial security, <laughs> we can discuss that. <laughs> if you're doing an MBA and you're talking about competitive advantages and moats, you'll often hear like five factors. Yeah. You learn about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, tell us about it then. So there's five, um, five factor framework that... Um, now, not all of these apply to every company, but if you have one or a few, then you could say that you have some sort of comp- competitive advantage. The first is low cost production, and that's a company that's able to produce at low prices, essentially that it will allow them to outperform their competitor, give them a pricing advantage. And this is where they can sort of capture more margin as well. Second is high switching costs. And this is where companies make it uh, difficult for a customer to switch to a rival offering. The deeper the moat um, that's created, you know, the, the, the diff- more difficult it becomes. I could think of one, you know, like, ooh, what would be? A- well, it used to be telcos was yeah, a was classic say, example because if you wanted to switch your telco, um, you had to pay like that contract out. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they, I don't know if they do that anymore. Maybe they do. But yeah, that was the classic example. Your phone contract had incredibly high switching costs. Yeah. But these days there's also things like if you want to switch from Netflix to Stan or Netflix to Hulu, Netflix has a really knows you with all the data they know mm. about you. Mm. And so there's a, it's not a financial switching cost, but there is a switching cost because all of that recommendation algorithm juice that they have at Netflix is lost if you move. So that's a switching cost as well. Yeah, good one. Another of these five-factor frameworks is network effects. Now, this is one we've spoken about plenty of times, but a network effect is really where uh, the user of a platform gains more value from that platform the more people that use and come into that ecosystem. A classic example that we always talk about is like social media and network and Facebook. If it was just Ren and I on Facebook... It's pretty not, good. It'd be pretty good, but it wouldn't be as valuable to us as a platform uh, if you know the other two billion people weren't on it. The ultimate network effect: a monetary system. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if only I used the Australian dollar, it'd be pretty pointless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's uh, intangible assets. So this is um, you know where. Businesses and and brands build elements of their businesses that are hard to replicate. So patents, trademarks, branding, for example, those um, intangible assets that go into building a business that are really hard to replicate. And then scale, efficient scale. And this is where you essentially start talking about monopolies and and, uh, businesses that can have geographic advantage and those sorts of things. Yeah, the classic example is like an airport. Yeah. You know, if you build a second airport, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to double the amount of travel and passengers. Sometimes one airport is all you need. And so as long as that airport operates efficiently, it's very hard to disrupt. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a traditional, or not a traditional, but one of the sort of key theoretical frameworks that's taught in business schools and has been a way that in over the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years, people have assessed moats and competitive advantages. Now, uh, what I want to bring to the table is similar, but a little bit of a build. And if you listen to venture capital podcasts, or you read books in that space, you've probably heard this concept, but 
I haven't really heard a lot about it in public market content, so mm. I thought let's bring it to the table and talk about it. Uh, Harrison Helmer, who is a business strategy professor at Stanford, wrote this book, Seven Powers, and it talks about seven long-term strategic advantages, seven potential moats a company could have. And for me, it's a really good framework. It overlaps with a lot of the stuff that you just spoke about that you learned in the MBA business school. So we won't talk about that again, but there are some powers that I think were quite interesting. So the seven network effects, as you spoke about, yeah. you know, the classic example being a LinkedIn or a Facebook, uh, switching costs, as you spoke about. Uh, another great one there is like, if you've got enterprise software, it's really hard to move your company. Like we are pretty locked into Google's. Yeah, I was just suite. thinking that when we're talking about it, is our accounting software, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Locked into that. Yeah, so yeah. switching costs is a good one. Scale economies you spoke about and that's, you know, as businesses leverage their scale, they can lower their cost per unit and then they can outcompete their competitors. A classic example that's often given is in the semiconductor market, a big company like Intel can often compete with like an AMD. I think that example might be a little bit out of date these days. But anyway, we keep moving. The fourth <laughs> power, uh, again, that overlaps with what you spoke about was brand. That's the um, um, intangible assets. Intangible assets, yeah. So that's, well, brand, um, you know, Tiffany's. They Apple. Can, yeah, they can charge stupid Nike. amounts for products that others can't because of their brand. You yeah. get it. So then there are th- there are four that overlap. There are three that I want to speak about that I think are pretty interesting to put on the table and for people to think about when they're analyzing companies. This one is my favorite, counter positions. So a business that leverages counter positioning adopts a new superior business model, which the incumbent does not mimic or in some cases cannot mimic due to anticipated damage to their existing business. And this counter-positioning, I think you can see some really interesting examples of recently. Vanguard is a classic example of counter-positioning and building a moat around counter-positioning. Vanguard came out with low-cost index funds Mm. and they attracted serious interest and serious assets under management. They now have like $7 trillion in assets under management. But their competitors, the high-cost actively managed funds, the fidelities and perpetuals of the world, couldn't like adopt their business model, couldn't compete because it would sa- it would uh, sabotage their existing business. And so Vanguard built their moat through this really effective counter positioning. And now by the time that, you know, everyone is now doing low cost products, Vanguard have this unassailable lead and they yeah. really built a brand. Yeah. Another, when I think about counter positioning, the other really good example that comes to mind is electric vehicles. Yeah. So Tesla built a business on electric vehicles and the internal combustion engine car makers were so slow to respond and were so resistant to that new technology because it would disrupt their existing business. So Tesla staked out a really effective counter position that gave them an incredible head start. It's interesting. It's just like a business that takes on high disruption really Mm. and um, against sort of big established businesses. I guess the distinction being in some cases disruption is very easy to adopt. So like Mm. Facebook is a classic example of being disrupted by a TikTok or a Snapchat and just copying them. Yeah. That's not an effective counter position because the incumbents can just copy. Come in and yeah. Yeah. But if Facebook was disrupted by a company that they couldn't copy because it would kill Facebook, Facebook, then yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's one that I really, I, I just really enjoyed thinking about and I think is useful to share with the Equity Mates community. Another one that I want to share, process powers. And so this is where a business has 
a process within their organization that enables lower costs, a superior product, uh, more efficiency and can't be matched or can only be matched by like an extended commitment that the rival doesn't want to, I guess, commit to. And so the classic example that's given is Toyota. And Toyota, you know how they have their production system, like their manufacturing system is sort of studied in business schools for being just so unique. They were able to take so much market share from the American car makers because of their internal processes that the Americans just couldn't match. So they could make better cars at a lower cost and they just ate market share from, mm. from the Americans. Mm. That's another interesting one, like looking inside the business and their internal processes as a source of long-term competitive advantage. Could you um, relate that to like the workforce as well? Like, you know, those big companies that just get the best PhDs in the door that literally you just can't match that from a... Potentially, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all these software companies that if... Or like we talk about Macquarie as like just a magnet for talent Yeah, in you just get the talent, yeah. top talent yeah. all the time in the door, like the Ray Dalios of, of the world. Yeah. yeah. Well, that leads nicely to the last power, the seventh one that is um, a little bit new as well, cornered resource. That's where a business has preferential access at attractive terms to a coveted asset that can independently enhance value. And so there are some which overlap which with what you were talking about. Intellectual property stuff, you know, patents, trademarks, uh, they have access to a resource that no one else does. But there's a really interesting example given, which is Pixar. And Pixar is said to have had a cornered resource of its people. Uh, and the three co-founders of Pixar, Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. uh, the Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Ed Catmull, who was a pioneering CGI computer scientist, and John Lasseter, who was an animation genius. And people talk about that was the engine behind Pixar. Mm. And, you know, others tried to compete in the animation space. Disney, in particular, tried to compete in the animation space. But they ultimately realized that they couldn't match because Pixar's long term, undisruptible competitive advantage was its cornered resource in its people and then they bought Disney bought Pixar for seven and a half billion dollars and so that's another really interesting one I think um where and like obviously people can move but if you can corner those people if you can if they're the founders of the business they're unlikely to leave if they have meaningful skin in the game in terms of equity they're unlikely to leave you like having Elon Musk on your team yeah, you can't, Elon, you can't find him anywhere. Let's put it this way: if Elon Musk worked for Equity Mates, <laughs> that would be a source. meaningful source of moat. Yes. <laughs> so, look, that's it. We could talk about this for a full episode, but I think that's enough. I just wanted to bring those three uh, final powers to the table because conceptually, I think they extend the discussion of moats a little bit and give us some other things to think about. Love that, Ren. Why? Well, I think um, it would be great if, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, um, we come back. And actually have thought about this framework and um, some companies that have a cornered resource or a counter position or a processing power. Or, or do know. we just go deep on equity mates and figure out which ones we have and which ones we don't have? <laughs> We're just like, God, we don't have any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I love no, it. I no, love it. actually, here's a good one for equity mates and I don't want to hijack, but radio was slow on podcasting because of the counter position. And this yes, isn't unique to are. equity mates, but radio have this big beast that they need to fill. They need to get advertising slots in. They need to pay Kyle Sanderlands for his third Bentley or whatever car yeah, he drives. 80 million. Um, and so podcasting ate a lot of their lunch and they didn't respond because of the counter positioning because if they were to respond, it would, you know, 
yeah, hurt their existing their radio. business. Yeah. And they've they've responded recent like the last couple of years, but they were slower than they should have been. Nice. So tick tick to <laughs> <laughs> against one of the seven. Uh, well, let's pick this up. Um, in a couple of weeks' time after we've had a think about um, some of the stocks. Yeah, let's do it. There's a quote from Elon Musk that I just want to finish with because moats <laughs> are not the be-all and end-all, at yeah. least according to Elon. Yeah. Uh, quote, I think moats are lame. If your only <laughs> defence against invading armies is a moat, you will not last long. What matters is the pace of innovation. That is the fundamental determinant of competitiveness. Yeah, but I think a, I think a few of those seven powers that you've mentioned feed into the ability for your business to innovate, sure. if that makes you sense. You and Elon so, can take that yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> Elon, come at me. No. All right, Ren, let's move on. So um, we, you said at the top of the show that there's plenty going on. What a good time. How good are markets? Meme stocks, tech stocks. Something happened on March 14. Yeah. We don't know what it was. We went out to the community. Yes. We've had a few people sort of come back with what they thought might have happened. Yeah, well, hold on. Before we before we get too deep into what the hell happened, let's talk about what we saw happen. Sure. So what we saw happen is all around the world, the 14th of March seemed to be a little bit of an inflection point. After a soft end to the year and a weak January and February and start of March, stocks were down meaningfully. Yeah. We were talking about a we bear market in the NASDAQ. We were talking about a correction in uh, around the world. Here's the numbers. Here in Australia, we're up 5%. Over our friends in the UK, up 5%. Not bad for half a month. But the US, the S&P up 11% and the NASDAQ 100 up 17%. This is from the 14th of From March. the 14th of March, so yeah. a couple of weeks. We're recording this on the 31st of March. We're getting a week ahead because we got something big next week and we can't be in the studio. Hell yeah. Uh, watch this space, <laughs> so you'll hear more. Yeah, crazy, crazy numbers. It is. It was only last week, I think, that I was doing a market update on Instagram and was looking at this because I'd been so – I had my head in inflation, I had my head in oil prices, I had my head in what was going on over in Ukraine, I had my head in commodity prices and then I'm like Jeez, oh, you got your head in a lot yeah I know and then I was like oh, I wonder what's going on in over in tech and oh, I'm like damn like it's flying it's flying didn't even look at it's it unbelievable <laughs> yeah. but you, if you think tech is flying let me hit you with some meme stocks hit me since the 14th of March GameStop up 130% it's unbelievable AMC the cinema chain up 117% Bed Bath & Beyond yes it is a meme stock uh, up 42% Blackberry, Bryce's favourite phone maker, up 32%. My favourite berry out of all the berries. <laughs> Curious. Yeah. I'm a blueberry guy. It's a delicious berry. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, meme stocks are flying. Some of these tech stocks that were hit as well, bouncing back a bit, Spotify, GitLab, that's all I can name right now. <laughs> Tesla up Tesla, more than 20%. Tesla is Nvidia flying. Nvidia up more than 20%. They're these all, aren't just the small companies. They're like, all flying. The market, yeah. So if you had been like me and looking elsewhere, um, it was a surprise to see. So we reached out to the community to ask why. Yeah. What's, and we didn't really get a definitive answer. Yeah, Some people were coming back saying yeah. interest rate rises from the Fed, but that was the Fed didn't announce till the 16th from, yeah. from memory. 14th oh. to the 16th was their meeting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our good friend Andrew Brown commented that it's a gamma squeeze resulting from retail option buying and lower liquidity. Explain Andrew, that. Andrew, shout out, to, <laughs> shout out to you, but I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I know what a gamma squeeze is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, it's one of those things that markets are a funny thing. I have no idea. 
Uh, I think that's been made abundantly clear in this episode and in other episodes. But there's this concept that George Soros, he didn't author it, but he's sort of famous for adopting. He says it's how he's made a lot of his money. George Soros, for people who aren't familiar, is known as the man that broke the Bank of England um, and is a billionaire investor. He talks about this concept, reflexivity, and it's basically how price action creates action and then that creates action and it's like you know we are reflexive to what happens and so and then things can get very divorced from their economic fundamentals Mm. because you know the stock market is psychology and we respond as things happen and then that can compound effect that that can have this sort of compounding effect as actions create actions as create actions Um, that's a massively oversimplified explanation but for for these meme stocks it kind of feels like these, this is a case study of reflexivity is prices move and then people respond to those price movements yeah. and that creates more price movement and then more people respond. It feels like that is the only way you explain GameStop being up 130% in two weeks. Yeah, Maybe there was a gamma squeeze and stuff as well, but at the end of the day, it's just it is mass psychology playing out in stock prices. By the freaking dip. That's what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happened. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I love it. And um, if you have been fortunate enough to take some of the opportunities that were out there, um, kudos to you. One other theory that is spoken about a little bit is the bond market is getting massacred at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The five-year and 30-year bond yields inverted, the two and the 10, two and 10 have yeah. inverted. If people don't really understand what that means, it could be another episode, but honestly, bonds are boring. We probably won't do an episode. <laughs> and every time the... T- yeah, the 10-year and the two-year spread has inverted. Yep. And every time this happens, it's followed with this commentary that uh, oh, one leads to yeah, a, the, yeah. a recession and a recession leads to an inversion and vice versa. And it's like every time this has happened, but I think there's been I think there's been a couple of exceptions, but yeah. that rhetoric's now starting again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and people are like, oh, because inflation expectations are high and people are getting out of bonds, uh, they're moving back to the stock market. But for me, it's like people aren't selling bonds and moving into meme stocks. No. Like that, sure, that might explain, you know, large liquid stocks moving up and that might explain the overall market. But this meme stock thing, I feel, is you can't say the most conservative investors getting 2% yield on a bond decided, screw it, we're going GameStop. (laughs) Yeah, no, the meme stock thing's crazy but anyway Ren let's um let's keep an eye on it but uh we do have a couple of other things to to get to so after the break we're going to take a look at how our ASX share market game portfolios are performing compare the pair and then going to close out with uh Specky McGee joining us so we'll just take a quick break to hear from our sponsors millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, Ren, we are deep in competition at the moment, one-on-one. Well, it's actually more than one-on-one. The rest of the team in uh, Equity Mates HQ are also playing. Yeah, and, but, um, and about 150 Equity Mates and CVE listeners and you're a good company listeners. Yes, uh, playing the ASX share market game, we're all in a league together but it's time that we check in on our portfolios and see how we're going. Yeah, we are in a mono-e mono battle. I think we're like 80th and 90th respectively, <laughs> so we're not exactly uh, shooting the lights out. But look, if you ever needed a reminder that we are not experts, we are just two guys trying to figure it out and give it a go, then this share market game is that. Yes. We are lower middle pack <laughs> yes so a shout out to uh everyone in the equity mates league you can join us uh we're, we're playing through until june uh thomas perry is currently leading ren with a uh portfolio value of fifty eight thousand five hundred at the time of recording Not we bad. start with fifty thousand so in cash up 16 percent. yeah absolutely shooting the lights out Not well, bad. well done not as good as gamestop <laughs> not as good as gamestop <laughs> Uh, but you and I, Ren, we're, we're down the bottom. How have, how have you been going? Honestly, I'm feeling really good about my portfolio. I am setting myself up for a, a retail gamma squeeze and <laughs> <laughs> the liquidity will drive me up. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Ask Andrew Brown. Now, look, um, I, I am proud to say that the two things that I wanted out of this competition are so far playing out. Mm-hmm. I'm above 50,000, so I haven't lost money. Okay. And I'm beating you. <laughs> and everything else is just noise. Hey, we do talk about investing goals and that's great. <laughs> so um, can you just quickly talk us through your cash v stock position and what you've done? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'll tell you a little, I'll take you on a journey. Okay. Uh, when the share market game kicked off, I uh I think I, like everyone, was focused on the Russia-Ukraine situation and obviously a lot of the chat at that time was uh, oil prices, commodity prices. So I went all in on that. I bought the oil ETF and the oil price ETF, the oil majors ETF, the two biggest oil producers in Australia, not a lot of diversification there. And then I bought Grain Corp, um, the big commodity trader, wheat trader, because uh, I figured higher wheat prices they could capitalize on. And then I also bought the Bitcoin ETF because uh, we, the Bitcoin price jumped, my theory being a lot of Russians got out of the ruble and into crypto. And that was how I set my portfolio up and I was down. Nice. <laughs> I don't know why I was down, uh, but that's the market. Then I was up and then the oil price fell like 30% in a day. And so I panicked and got out. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, now I think my portfolio, I have Grain Corp, I have that crypto ETF and I think I bought a levered um, ASX ETF as well. Interesting. So I'm about 50-50 invested in cash. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, nice. Okay, so... So I'm going macro trends. Macro trends and pr- more buying and selling than I thought you would do. I am not capable of... Uh, doing the work and trying to figure out what is going to be up in 12 weeks. Mm, mm, like mm, I, mm. I am not a great investor by any means, but like I like to think I can think long-term about like competitive advantage and strategic position yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. But trying to look at like 
volume flow, like volume order flow, uh, you know, like I had a a mate at Coles who would sit on Comsec all day and watch the buy and sell order level Mm -hmm. and he would make money and not do a lot of work for Coles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I... It's just not me. Yeah, well, it's a completely different um, investment approach. Yeah, it yeah. requires like a discipline and a patience Definitely. that I just don't have. Yeah, it's all. It, it, it's also not what excites me about investing. Yeah, exactly. Like it's yeah. the competitive advantages, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the getting into the company and understanding the company and those sorts of things yeah. that excite me, not what's the order flow and what's going to drive yeah. price, price action. And when you're a long-term investor, uh, you can. it takes a lot longer to show that you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Ren. All right. So you're, what about you? Well, so, yeah. So I think you're, yes, you are just beating me, but this is where I wanted to be at this point in this competition. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be behind you so that I could really come home with a wet sail. Um, I, I am just below the 50,000 uh, portfolio value that we started with, 49,200. I haven't changed my strategy. I've held tight. We were on the same page uh, when we started. We didn't discuss our strategies, found out that we had the same strategy. I went long oil as well. So I've still got my oil positions. Uh, I also went into the semiconductor ETF and um, I then took out a short position on the ASX as well, which um, surprisingly is pretty flat from the point that I bought it. I was going to say, if you bought the short position on the 14th of March, that might explain why everything's up. Yeah, well, I... (laughs) So uh, it's it's flat. So... Uh, overall, I'm I'm relatively flat, and um, I'm going to reconsider that short position. But uh, I haven't sold anything since buying, and I've got about 10k in cash. Look, for me, my biggest takeaway is the competition is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it is just a reminder how hard it is to make money in the short term, um, but how many ways there are to make money. Comedian V Economist had a look at some of the different portfolios that are leading our league and the different strategies there are pretty phenomenal. I think one of the top portfolios is day trading uh, and then another one took out some big positions and hasn't touched their portfolio since. So plenty of ways to make money in the stock market. If you're Bryce or I, plenty of ways to not make money in the stock market as well. It's a lot of fun and good practice and I've been getting DMs from people telling me they're beating me. Appreciate that. Keep that coming. My sister's boyfriend telling me that he's beating he's beating me. Shout out to <laughs> nice. Ned. Well done. Well, there's a comment in our um, league here saying Brick Lesky's fallen behind Ren could finally be Ren's year. So that's in reference to other competitions that we hold here at Equity Mates. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on. It's time to bring in Specky McGee for his take on what's going on in markets. And we should say Specky McGee beating both of us in the ASX comp. Uh, I also should say Specky being the sneaky guy that he is has two accounts. So that's why. Oh, well, now people are going to start really deep diving on who Specky is. As if they don't know. <laughs> 200,000 shares Blue Star, 19 and a half. Can you position it in one of your equity funds? Listen, Blue Horseshoe loves Blue Star Airlines. Got it? Reached the Specky Hot Yes! Hey. Specky. How are we? Good, good. Happy 2022. First time we've had you on. Happy 2022. Thrilled to be here. Good to be back. <laughs> so what have, you, what have you got for us? We, um... Well, that's a good question. So <laughs> I, I've done a little investigation this time. I haven't come prepared with a stock 
tip. That's not good. Not that I have in the past. Yeah. yeah. If anyone's we're, listening. Because we're, <laughs> we're not doing stock tips. So I, I've done an investigation this time into the ASX Bets subreddit. Okay. On, uh, on Reddit. I would have thought you were a moderator of that subreddit. <laughs> not, not yet. Working towards that. But you guys are obviously, and your listeners would be aware of uh, Wall Street Bets. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The community that led to... Many of the meme stocks over in the States. Yeah. Who celebrate uh, losing 99% of their money on Robinhood options. Yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Very aggressive uh, investing on those subreddits. Anyway, so I had a look. And so, yeah, ASX Bets is the Australian version. So I thought, okay, let's have a squiz here and let's see how some of these most hyped stocks have gone. Okay. So I've I done like a bit this. of a deep dive. So you may have heard of some of these. So we, some big winners, Brainship Holdings. Yeah. Raving about that stock for the past couple of years. Someone shredded us on our emails last week because we spoke about Neuralink and brain chips and they were like, Neuralink has nothing to do with brain chip holdings. Anyway, it was a really aggressive email. <laughs> but that, I, did, I don't think we conflated both of them, did we? I don't think, no. Yeah. no. We just said the word brain, brain chips, chips talking yeah. about Neuralink. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. complete Can you forward me the email? <laughs> yeah, it's in contact out. It was, br- okay. it was brutal. It was like, dude, relax. Wow. Wow. <laughs> There's some similarities there though because... Brain chip holdings do neural computing technology, right? Okay. So it's that sort of that sort of tech, up eighty five percent over the past year. Yeah, so nice. so whoever was holding that has done well. Lake Resources, so a lithium exploration focus uh, company focused on um, you know producing sustainable lithium. That's their thing. Okay. Hundred percent over the past month. Five hundred forty eight percent over the past year. Okay. So there's so a lot of people that are posting their like big screenshots of their gains. Okay. Uh, on the okay. side, right? But it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Okay. There's some big nice. losers as well. So I had to balance <laughs> it out. So a lot of the ones you guys are aware of. Zip down seventy nine percent. IOU pay down fifty four percent. There's a Cancer treatment one, Inovic, down 76%. You guys aware of these, these yeah, stocks? Yeah. Aware of uh, Zip and IOU. Yeah. yeah. But the one I wanted to dig a bit deeper on was uh, DWA, Digital Wine digital Ventures. Wine. Oh, yeah. oh, we have a long and storied history with yeah. Digital Wine Ventures. For context, we'll, uh, a stock that we spoke about, I think, on our very first summer series. Very first summer series. And yeah. really kind of shredded it. Shredded it. And, and then it's done really well. It's done well. And a then, lot of people in the community are fans of it. Yeah. So talk to but, me, Specky. Talk to me. <laughs> so it's done a lot. Yeah, it had a rapid rise. I think it got up to 18 cents and then it's had a big plummet. It's down to three and a half cents-ish at the moment. Down 77% over the past year. So did you guys actually figure out what digital wine ventures do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It we was a, a distribution. dive on it, yeah. Wasn't it a distribution they, business they for... They partner with uh, winemakers and basically are the digital uh, or e-commerce platform for yeah. them. Yeah. Like deliver it, warehouse it, um, yeah, help them sell it. Yeah, that's right. Yes, I, I looked into it and the CEO said basically they're about bringing the supply chain kicking and dragging into the 21st century with technology and releasing a whole lot of value wasted in inefficiencies. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I think that's a good summary, but I looked into it, okay, and one of, <laughs> one of the users on Reddit, his username uh, is ILYFish, he made a bit of an ASX bet, or maybe it's more of a Faustian pact, if you will. He said okay. that <laughs> every week... He is going to drink and review a bottle of wine until the share price hits 10 cents. Wow, okay. What is it? What was it? 
So it's currently 3.6 cents. Okay. How long do you think he's been doing this for? <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. You said it was 18 cents a year ago. Yeah. So it would have had to have got meaningfully below then for him to make it. So I'm going to say six months. Yeah, you're pretty much spot on. It's about five or six months. So he's reviewed 21 bottles of wine. Uh, he even did a Christmas Day review. Okay. Um, isn't that just bizarre? <laughs> just like, <laughs> Honestly, I love it. Like that is that is internet content creation. Yeah. No money. Uh, like he's not getting paid for it. He's just putting all this effort into doing something. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, bizarre. I, like, yeah, so I actually didn't realise like ASX bets isn't, oh, like these whole uh, Wall Street bets as well. It's not about, okay, I'm in, I suggest, you know, buying this specky stong. Yeah, Let's yeah, see yeah. where it goes. They make bets with each other. Like this. Oh. Yeah, so I think I read about someone drinking their own urine. Someone got yes. a tattoo. Wall Street bets, like based on on what market price movements. And, yeah, exactly. So he's action. just betting against himself. The yeah, stock. I don't know. So it's I, like it's like a derivative market <laughs> off the stock market yeah. for random bets. Yeah, well, it's like our bet with uh, Facebook. Oh, yeah. Market cap. I can't even remember what the outcome, uh, outcome was, though. You was have to a... drink your own urine. <laughs> no. No, no. So, yeah. <laughs> While so... getting a tattoo. <laughs> you have to get a tattoo of you drinking your own urine. <laughs> well, I'm going to win the bet, though, so. Well, anyway. anyway. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, I'll come on and make a, a bet. Okay. Okay, so, my, so I, I own Microsoft. So my bet is... I'm going to make an appearance on the Equity Mates Investing Podcast every week until the Microsoft <laughs> share price hits $400. What is it? It's a, it's so just about 300. Yeah, 340. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. And so <laughs> you're going to come on here every week. Yeah. You want to take my spot? <laughs> All right. I'll make that bet. I'll say you won't come on. <laughs> and what are we putting on the line? <laughs> I didn't expect it to go this way. I thought you guys would just tell me to buzz off. But anyway, if you actually want me on the show, we'll see. Yeah, we'll take that offline. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I appreciate the uh, correspondence from the land of Speckies. Yeah. I think it's useful insight. I, I feel like we will get, maybe not every week, but we'll definitely get you on again to tell us what's trending. In uh, Maybe we can also get you to jump across the pond and... Do we call it across the pond? Anyway, go, go over to the States and tell us what's trending on Wall Street bets as well. Keen for that. But, yeah, I'll, I'll just add one more thing. So it's, it's not all negativity that you get coming out of the, the subreddits. So, for instance, the Wall Street bets um, cumulatively donated 350000 to a guerrilla con- conservation charity. Cool. ASX bets did something similar. They uh, all started uh, adopting koalas. From the Port Macquarie Koala Hospital. Oh, epic. I've, like been, was, I've been there. I've spent a lot of time in Port Macquarie. So it's Shout good, out. yeah. I thought I mentioned that. So they're donating money to charities as well. But just to close out on that, so I did want to play some DD I heard from uh, equities analyst Jay Barnes. Okay. <laughs> so he's contending that we might be seeing three days of growth for DWA. Which three days? Well, oh. <laughs> I know this is going. This is what he's saying. He's saying three days growth, like because the ability to sell cheaper wine, uh, and to oh, unlock God. the inefficiencies in the uh, supply chain. So yeah, we might be seeing as a result of the cheap wine some three days growth. So I'll I'll play the uh, the DD here. <laughs> 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 
Nice one, Specky. Well, thank you for coming on. Entertaining as always. Well, look, to be fair, the way that tech is ripping at the moment, it might only be a couple of weeks that you're on the show. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Becky. Well, uh, Ren, as always, it's great to chat stocks <laughs> and uh, we'll be picking it up next week. But a, a reminder, make sure you um, head over to equitymates.com slash finfest to register. Subscribe to The Dive, and if you're interested in joining the Equitymates contact team, email us at careers at equitymates.com. And if you've made it this far in the episode and you're looking for more Equitymates content, I've got to give a shout-out to Comedian V Economist. If you want to know why Twiggy Forrest is Elon Musk's dad and why higher rents lead to higher house prices but higher house prices don't lead to higher rents, uh, head over and listen to their latest episodes. It's very rare that a show can thread the needle and get those two topics in the same episode. So shout out to them. Uh, They're making some great content and it's well worth a listen. Love it. Well, Ren, we'll pick it up next week. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equitymates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Meets Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.